Greetings, God's beloved. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Living Hope Lutheran Church in downtown Las Vegas. Our reading today comes from Jeremiah 32, verses 1 through 3 and 6 through 15. Our preacher is Lourdes Olson. Thanks for listening. God bless you. A reading from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of King Zedekiah of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar. At that time, the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem, and the prophet Jeremiah was confined in the court of the guard that was in the palace of the king of Judah, where King Zedekiah of Judah had confined him. Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me. Hanamel, son of your uncle Shalom, is going to come to you and say, Buy my field that is at Anathoth, for the right of redemption by purchase is yours. Then my cousin Hanamel came to me in the court of the guard in accordance with the word of the Lord, and said to me, Buy my field that is at Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, for the right of possession and redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord, and I bought the field at Anathoth from my cousin Hanamel, and weighed out the money to him, 17 shekels of silver. I signed the deed, sealed it, got witnesses, and weighed the money on scales. Then I took the sealed deed of purchase containing the terms and conditions and the open copy, and I gave the deed of purchase to Baruch, son of Neriah, son of Maseah, in the presence of my cousin Hanamel, in the presence of the witnesses who signed the deed of purchase, and in the presence of all the Judeans who were sitting in the court of the guard. In their presence I charged Baruch, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, both this sealed deed of purchase and this open deed, and put them in an earthenware jar, in order that they may last, for a long time. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. If you were a teen in the 80s, like I was, or you know a teen from the 80s, like myself, you might have ingrained into your memory a quote from the 1989 movie, Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. You might also even be surprised, as I was, to find out this is actually a misquote. The actual quote is, 
if you build it, he will come. But quotes and misquotes aside, Field of Dreams was a very heartwarming fantasy film about an Iowa farmer who was coming to terms with the loss of his father during estrangement and the realities of trying to make a living from the land and the fulfillment of an impossible dream. One day a mysterious voice comes from the field to Ray, the farmer, saying, if you build it, he will come. And without giving away more plot points, just in case you might like to see this film someday, Ray understands these words to mean that he must build a baseball field right in the middle of his cornfield. As to who he is, well, it's better to just watch the film. But people often use this misquote as an inspiration to take a risk, to go against traditional business models of establishing a need for something first and just go ahead and make an investment in a dream to go all in, like we say here in Vegas, right from the beginning, to fake it till you make it, so to speak, and to hold on to this hope that everything is going to work out in the end as people finally come to see the beauty of your dream and that dream finally becomes a reality. The tagline from the trailer of this movie was meant to be just as inspiring and moving as that misquoted quote. It goes, sometimes when you believe the impossible, the incredible comes true, which is a big hint that that story does have a happy ending. Throughout the film, Ray the farmer holds on to this impossible word of hope, and he builds that baseball field, even though it seems to the people around him to be a very foolish investment with no future in it. And for a while, it seems like that could be true. But everything like it does in all the heartwarming movies, it does work out in the end for the good of the farmer, for the good of his family, and for the good of the whole town. In our lesson today, we hear about the prophet Jeremiah hearing a very puzzling and impossible word. And he makes an investment that seems just as foolish as building a baseball field in the middle of Iowa in a cornfield. So the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and told him, you need to buy your cousin's field. But why? I mean, if we attend to the fact that Jeremiah was at that very moment imprisoned, um, minimum security though it might have been, but it was still a prison. Jeremiah was imprisoned by King Zedekiah because he had had the audacity to foretell, or rather to tell the king the word of the Lord, that Jerusalem, 
great Jerusalem was going to be destroyed and the king would eventually find himself in captivity. So if that was where Jeremiah was, why by the field? If we recall that also at this very moment, Jerusalem was under siege by the army of Babylon. And according to the word that had previously come to the prophet, Jerusalem was headed for doom. Why buy this field? One simple answer is that Jeremiah bought the field because God told him to. Jeremiah was a prophet. He was a person who heard the word of God. And he spoke the words that God entrusted to him. He took the actions that God instructed him to do. The prophetic life often did not make sense to the casual observer, maybe even to the people in charge. But the prophet knew, probably more keenly than anyone, that there were consequences of obeying God and of disobeying God. One could say that it was really for his own good that Jeremiah did go ahead and buy this field. Jeremiah also bought the field because he had the right of redemption. In Leviticus 25, the law instructs, if a fellow countryman of yours becomes so poor that he sells part of his property, then his closest redeemer is to come and buy back what his relative has sold. So reading this passage, it seems that cousin Hanamel probably needed some money. It was therefore an honorable and kind thing that Jeremiah did for his cousin to buy the field. Hanamel needed money, and so the land purchase was for his relative's good. It is clear, though, by the end of the passage that this small act of generosity, this unusual business venture, was bigger than Jeremiah and bigger than Hanamel. It was a prophetic act. It was a symbol of hope for an entire people and for their generations to follow. The Lord makes a declaration of hope. Houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. It's an impossible word of hope that does not make any sense given the current circumstances. It's a word of hope given in a time of hopelessness in a time of imprisonment, in a time of siege. And although the people were not going to escape the calamity that had been foretold, God would not leave them without hope. And so this prophetic act was for the good of all the people. Embedded in this impossible word of hope is the promise of God to restore. 
And the money that Jeremiah laid out for this purchase was a symbolic down payment on the promise that God had given. This promise was so important and so sure that the deeds of purchase were signed by witnesses, given to a trustee, and preserved in an earthen jar in order that they might last for a long time. This small act of generosity needed to be preserved for future generations so that they might remember the promise that God had given. In very much the same way, God has given an impossible word of hope for all people in a generous deed that has been preserved for all future generations in the death and the resurrection of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And it is a word of hope for all of God's children from then until now and beyond. That word of hope in times of hopelessness is both sealed within these jars of clay that each of us is, and it is entrusted to us to be opened for others to read and to witness. There is a word of hope that has been attributed to Martin Luther and even to Martin Luther King Jr., but whether either one of them ever said it or not, I find it very fitting. Even if I knew that tomorrow the world would go to pieces, I would still plant my apple tree. Maybe the best that you can do is just plant an apple tree. Or maybe you have the means to buy the whole dang field. But there are no small players on God's team. It is our willingness to do as God commands because we are sure of God's promise. That willingness reveals to ourselves and to others who we really are. If we are willing, we find that we are a people who give prophetic legs to the word of hope. If it looks as though your world or your family's world or someone else's world might go to pieces tomorrow, I pray that you can still hear the whisper of God reminding you that there is always hope and that you plant the tree or you buy the field. We here are a people of a living hope. We are a community that does its best with the help of God not to allow hope to be imprisoned or besieged, but we do hold it within us, and we also share it. We love each other through the difficult times like a family, and we extend that love to others as we partner together with organizations like LSSN and Family promise. You know, some of us struggle to survive day by day. Sometimes the struggle has to do with the color of the skin that we're in. 
Sometimes that struggle to survive has to do with who we love. Sometimes the struggle to survive is just about who we say that we are. And sometimes the struggle to survive is because of what we lack, what we do not have. But the promise of God and the spirit of God within us compels us not only to speak words of hope, but to be instruments of it. And in so doing, we find that when we believe the impossible hope of a future that is beyond our present struggles to survive, the incredible wonder of a community that declares hope and lives it and helps one another to thrive, that incredible truth can be our reality. Amen.